travelers, and welcome to Podcast 80 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. And today we're going to showcase the contributions that uh, you listeners have sent us on the theme of the Travel Olympics. Traveling situations given a bit of a competitive twist. So thank you to everyone who got in touch via Twitter at You Should Have BT. And uh, Simon, um, I can hear what sound to me like seagulls, which I know it doesn't mean that you necessarily are on the coast and beside the sea, but uh, are you? I'm lucky enough to be on the north coast of Scotland, that kind of anvil-shaped bit at the top, um, in the town of Thurso, which is, I guess, the capital of this part of uh, far north Scotland. I'm heading further north over to Orkney and then a quick shuttle across to uh, catch another ferry up to Shetland. But uh, an absolute joy to be here. And there's even something which looks a little like sunshine coming through. Good Lord. Yeah. Are you all right? Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> let, let me uh, describe my situation. I'm in the uh, in the car park of my excellent station hotel um, because it's the only place I can guarantee a decent Wi-Fi signal. I have um, spent quite a lot of time this morning investigating the possibilities. So there will be the occasional noise off. And that was, um, I, I, well, for a Sunday, things are quite lively. And that, that was somebody setting off with a very large vehicle about their business. Anyway, enough of that. Um, let us get on to the Travel Olympics. Certainly. And uh, not a surprise, I guess, that many of the suggestions include some kind of wayfinding. Here we are. Uh, here's Dave at Hovercop 999, the sub four minute mile as required when trying to catch a connecting flight at Istanbul Airport. Now, I remember the old airport. Well, I was very fond of it, but um, that was bad enough. But the new one, I've heard that, uh, yes, gate one and gate 99 are are possibly in different contexts. Well, okay, here's a similar one from uh, Andy Johnson, which is um, you arrive at Chicago two hours late. You have 45 minutes before your connection to Miami leaves. On your marks, get set, go. <laughs> yes, and if if Andy has in in the unfortunate position of not having gone through um, uh, customs and border protection, then I'm afraid that trip to my, that flight to Miami is going without him, uh, because of course um, the the airlines are really quite fond. I, I went, I was lucky enough to be uh, my last trip to America, indeed February 2020. Um, I had one hour to change planes at Salt Lake City, and uh, the crew of the very nice uh, Delta flight said, yep, it will be fine. And I said, but we're 15 minutes late. They said, it will be fine. And it was because I guess they don't have that many international arrivals there. And the other thing which happened there was that I raced up to the gate for my connecting flight and they kind of said, we've been expecting you. Um, How about $600 to take the next flight? (laughs) Did you take it? And it worked. Of course I did. (laughs) Crikey. Yes. Like a shot. Um, always, always building enough time to be um, uh, to, to be a voluntary offload in America. By the way, now I, I'd like to suggest another Olympic uh, running event, which is one that uh, I've taken part in a few times um, for the Independent newspaper when it was a uh, a broadsheet. Um, uh, and a very good one as well. Of course, it's now equally good online. But um, uh, I have. Um, 
compiled, curated, or gathered a number of uh, uh, 48 hours in a particular place. And um, that requires, and of course, you are the... uh, you are the maestro, the doyen of these uh, things, but uh, it requires basically going to uh, the city, usually, and then running round it um, for <laughs> about 48 hours, visiting absolutely everything, um, sampling as much of it as you can, um, and then um, obviously writing it up when you get home. What would you say to that as an Olympic event? I, I think that has lots of merit. And, and one reason why you have to run, even though you are spending 48 hours is there, it, there, is because, of course, even though you've hopefully done a bit of planning to before you go, you don't know what's going to be good and what's going to be rubbish. And therefore, you have to kind of typically do about twice as much as a normal person because um, half of what you, you see and do is going to be going in the bin. Um <laughs> But uh, it, it is, yes, it is quite, ah. quite a thing. And it actually was born out of literally spending 48 hours in Istanbul. This is going back to 1989. There was an, a deal where £109 fly in the middle of the night to Istanbul, spend 48 hours there, fly back. Um, and there was a, I, I, it was the first 48 hours ever. And it spawned what? Where are we now? Um, crikey, 32 years worth of a so-called career. Oh, but something to be proud of and to go on your CV. If I if I might say that uh, that that one of the probably the forty eight hours I enjoyed researching more than any other was Buenos Aires. But I didn't try and get on any local buses. I loved your idea of um, trying to find not only the right bus but the right bus stop in Buenos Aires. And you mentioned you've actually got some kind of bus bible. Is that actually correct? Gosh, that, that that seagull's got bad digestive problems or something else <laughs> is going on. But don't worry. Um, uh, well, I have looked for this uh, and I'm afraid I must have thrown it away because I cannot find it anywhere. Oh. Um, but basically, it gave all the bus lines with their um, uh, start points and end points um, and a rough idea of when they ran. And the best bit, um, a little picture of the livery of the bus, because the numbers are quite difficult to see and there are so many buses all in competition with one another that actually your best bet is to just look for the green and white one if you're going to, say, uh, I don't know, Retiro or Recoleta. But here's another Latin American event, um, and I like this one. It's presented by... Brypod. Brypod suggests getting through Cancun Airport without being uh, harassed or harassed by somebody offering to help you with your luggage. Um, Now, I I think that's very good because it's a bit like um, avoiding obstacles. So sort of more like a 400 meter hurdles or or even a steeplechase, I would say, as you try to get um, round the people trying to help you. And then if you've rented a car, try and find the one who is actually um, in charge of the car that you've rented rather than the ones holding up 
signs which are very similar to the name of the ones <laughs> that you've rented, but actually aren't the same. And who knows what, uh, what service they're going to be offering. Exactly. Pedro or Pablo's car rental, I guess. Um, but I'm surprised that this is being picked up from, from Latin America because it's much more um, something that happens going east from here. So Moscow, for example, Sheremetyevo Airport, if you do not use the um, express <laughs> railway, which is very, very good, then you are going to be in, well, there'll be, be some quite large gentlemen who will be inviting you to take their taxi. Um, furthermore, if you go to... Uh, uh, well, anywhere in India, really, uh, you get off a plane or a train and there will be people to help you. And actually a special mention, and this might resound with some people, um, I would say the ultimate Olympic event, which nobody has ever succeeded in, is going to Delhi railway station, going to the ticket desk and buying a ticket. There are so many people to obstruct your uh, your, 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 your attempts. Um, and then further east, well, yeah, <laughs> all, the, all the big Asian cities um, uh, tend to have quite a lot of Helpers, when you emerge um, jet lagged um, uh, and confused from from the international arrivals door, I think there's a lot to be said. Uh, now I have a f- um, a few more um, pennies in my pocket than I did when I was young for booking some kind of. Uh, transit before you actually get to the airport that's certainly very good with uh, buenos aires um uh airport Ezeiza mm. airport out in miles out in the uh, the southern uh, uh wilderness and the uh, uh tienda leon offer a most wonderful and very very um uh efficient service and uh, you just book them online before you go and then turn up and um it somehow makes the whole thing a lot easier and uh and stressful uh yes i, I will look forward to that tienda leon not to be confused with with, with other similar uh, named <laughs> organizations thank you thank you for that now here's one which i like from saye 56 which gives a bit more of a, a, a i guess an olympics feel which might actually have a touch of uh, winter olympics about it as well because it's a swimming slalom course in nice avoiding the jellyfish which surprises me because i've not uh, generally found that the I, I, i'm trying to think the south of france i don't associate that with them um, jellyfish but uh, clearly i am wrong um have you uh, encountered many of these um, uh, fearsome creatures. No, but I have got a very recent photograph of uh, of one of my sons who um, spent a brief holiday uh, on the Pembroke coast, um, uh, sitting on a sand dune next to an absolutely huge jellyfish which had washed up um, dead on the beach. It's called a barrel jellyfish, apparently. It really was nearly as Ooh. big as him. I would <laughs> certainly like to have avoided that. Um, um, but I tell you what I have uh, uh, encountered, and I can um, I can heartily advise you against uh, having this experience. Um, and that is um, a fish. Well, it's called a, a a small or lesser weaver fish in in English, but it's called a a, v- a vive v i v e in French. And in Spain, where I encountered yeah. it, unfortunately, a peth vibora, which is a viper fish which gives a clue to it it's a it's a horrible little beast which um, hangs out just below the sand uh i think it must sort of you know just have its uh, sort of mouth out to breathe uh, and when the the, the um 
when, when the tide goes out, if you're foolish enough to um, uh, run happily down to the sea, as I did on the north coast uh, in uh, uh, Asturias a few years ago, looking forward to uh, leaping into oh. the briny, the next thing was this unbelievably sharp pain in my foot, uh, you know, like the old red hot knitting needle. And uh, it was a peth vibora. Now, I'm putting this forward as an Olympic event because I then had to hop, <laughs> skip and jump, or as we now call it, triple <laughs> jump up the beach on one uh, leg. And fortunately, there was a, uh, a small first aid post um, uh, manned by incredibly oh. nice uh, young uh, Spanish medics who sorted me out with some kind of uh, antihistamine cream. And and please, if you, if something has stung you in a in a difficult and threatening way when you've been abroad, we want to hear about it. You can contact us, of course, um, best way through Twitter at you should have bt, or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there and leave us a voice message about your experiences with beach creatures uh, but on with the olympics mick okay here's one which um is very much um a an event after my own heart i'm going to call it um a bit like uh, show jumping where you have to avoid crashing into things um, although in this case it's to avoid having things crash into you and it's um uh, driving uh, down to the south of France from uh, a northern uh, northern France uh, port like uh, Boulogne or Calais or somewhere like or Dunkirk or somewhere like that. And um, where, of course, the main aim is to get round Paris, usually without driving through it. And there is a ring road of a kind called La Francilienne or the N104. Well, that's the good news because it takes you around the east side of Paris and you don't have to... Um, get stuck in any boulevards or whatever. And uh, the bad news is that it's absolutely terrifying. Uh, I really cannot tell you how frightened I was the first time I <laughs> drove uh, uh, down it because it actually has um, exits uh, and entrances, as it were, on both sides of the carriageway. So it, it seems to have kind of rules which um, have, have been made oh, up oh. by a, a, a sort of uh, competing sets of, uh, <laughs> of planners and um, also at times it just stops and um, and then merges <laughs> with some kind of motorway like the A4 going uh, east towards Nancy or somewhere like that um, and then you have to leave it again almost immediately to go back onto the Francilienne so the aim of, uh, of of getting from one end to the other obviously as quickly as you can because it's so terrifying because you don't want to um, uh, <laughs> spend any more time than necessary on it but without getting lost and more to the point without having a serious crash I think is is very much like a um, uh, an, an Olympic uh, jump off uh, in a show jumping event. And I'm, I'm going to actually keep in France because I think the um, the peripherique, a complete circuit of the boulevard peripherique would also get there. Um, by the way, uh, the kind of road that you describe where you have to turn off to stay on actually has an 
an acronym of its own. It is a TOTSO. This is an official traffic term, a TOTSO. Turn off to stay on. And the most celebrated example, and this actually is going to take you to France if you manage to turn off to stay on, is the A2, um, where you've got to turn off, um, I think, in the area of Faversham in order to uh, stay on the A2. Otherwise, you're going to end up in Margate and, uh, and we know what that spells. Um, and by the way, so that people don't feel obliged to write in, I don't think there's been a ferry from the UK to Boulogne for 10 or maybe even 20 years. Um, have you got any other great uh, great ring roads? The Tangentiales in, uh, in Italy, I seem to recall with some horror. The advice that I got from an Italian friend about driving round uh, those uh, rather um, terrifying ring roads was uh, very simple. On no account, Mick, use any of your mirrors. And I said, yes, but uh, surely that's the whole point of driving. He said, no. He said, you have to concentrate on what is going on uh, ahead of you with all 100% of your vision because uh, you never know when someone isn't just going to stop dead in front of you or or pull in in front of you from either side. Is there, is there an incident? Uh, well, well, we've got quite a lot happening here. There's, um, uh, yeah, some, somebody was um, very nicely asking for a photograph. Um, let me uh, depict this. So we have about 10 motorcycles which are about to start going on their own little Olympic challenge, which is the North Coast 500. This is a, a kind of made-up uh, journey around the uh, far north of Scotland, and it's attracting an awful lot of people. I don't think they're going to have a race, but they do have some quite... Um, uh, impressive looking machines and I think in a moment they are about to start and they will, they will keep going yeah so so uh, yes anyway uh, good oh. so we'll see about that it will yes. sound like a busy day on the uh, on the Francilienne I think it, it certainly sounds as, it sounds as though it will yeah, actually and there goes the first uh, yes uh, ah yeah here we are how exciting uh, that that sounds like a Harley Davidson. Um, uh, no, it's it's a, uh, it's a I think it's a seven fifty. Uh, I think it's a Triumph Tiger. I'm not not. Get, I, I guess it gets <laughs> seven fifty is probably about the right realm. Things are hotting up here, Mick. We've got probably half a dozen engines started. Um, I, I think most travel situations, though, are quite complicated. More like, I guess, heptathlons or modern pentathlons. Yes, or, or modern heptathlons, which is what we could call um, the event that we pioneered last week in um, a, 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 a face-off between two countries which have some sort of um, reason to be compared. Last week it was um, Slovakia and Slovenia, which I think Slovenia won, ha <laughs> ha, because I was promoting them. And um, uh, well, we've got a tweet from Tim Blazy, who gave us a thumbs up for that particular uh, part of our last podcast. And so thank you for this, Tim. Um, great latest episode on travel. Had a brief day trip with some friends to Slovakia by walking over the River Danube, one of my more enjoyable border crossings. First time I've walked between two countries. Hungry to Slovakia over the Danube. Best thing about Europe, Schengen. Well, thanks, Tim. And, uh, well, we're, we're, we're picking up that baton, ha-ha. Um, um, and we're going to try two other countries, um, which are uh, Zambia, 
and Zimbabwe. So it's Zam v Zim. Um, I, I'm going to concentrate on Zimbabwe because I once spent, uh, well, four or five months there at a very uh, interesting time uh, in its history, 1990, 10 years into uh, uh, into its independence uh, from uh, the UK at a time when it was still not known whether um, Robert Mugabe was going to be a great force for good or maybe not. <laughs> Well, I, I was lucky enough to be in Zambia in the uh, uh, very end of the 1990s. And uh, 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 it was at the time very much the poor relation of Zimbabwe. I think that's now uh, changed, or at least um, they, they are now equally poor or equally rich, um, certainly in terms of, of GDP. Um, speaking of what, what, what appears to happen, by the way, when you've got a group of motorcyclists is that they do all start their engines and then they... Um, uh, they they decide what to do uh, next. They're waiting for some kind of starting signal. I don't know if I'm supposed to be uh, giving this to them. Uh, we, you, we shall see. Have you got oh, yours? Here oh, here we are. First, yeah. Okay. Fantastic. And I, oh. I think we're going now. No, no, no. Uh, waiting for a. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give them a thumbs up and see if that produces. Okay. Have you got your starting pistol with you or not? No, I haven't. I think a, a pistol is the last thing you want. Um, but I, it may well have actually been that they were waiting for us. Um, and and um, here we are. Goodbye, everybody. Yes, thank you. God, well, my, my money's on that. Um, I, I think it was probably a Yamaha. It sounded very uh, smooth and fast. Um, uh, okay, well, look, let's get on to Zim V Zam. Um, well, I mean, it, very quickly, in terms of uh, size, uh, Zambia is quite a lot bigger. In, in terms of population, uh, Zambia is a bit bigger, I think. It's got yes, is that right? Sort of. Oh uh, yeah, well, I mean, size. I, I, obviously, we have to measure things in terms of Wales. Um, uh, Zimbabwe twenty times the size of Wales, and uh, uh, Zambia nearly twice as large as Zimbabwe. Ah. And uh, yeah, population. I think uh, Zim, Zimbabwe fifteen million, Zambia eighteen million, which I would say plays to the advantage of Zambia because actually you want wide open spaces um, in order to properly appreciate the natural wonders um, the scenery of course uh, this being southern Africa the amazing wildlife too yes I suppose that is the main reason that people travel to these two countries well um I haven't seen very much wildlife in Zambia, but I have seen lots in uh, in in Zimbabwe, and I must say that the Hwangi, the Wangi National Park, mm. is absolutely astonishing, and uh, you can uh, see uh, most of the uh, the big five animals there if you um, really take a lot of time and get a decent guide as well. Um, because I was doing a report on environmental matters, I was uh, lucky enough to spend a lot of time with park rangers uh, and the like, and uh, they were um, they, they were obviously very helpful. And one of them was an incredibly keen bird watcher and he uh, he showed me all sorts of uh, the, the birds are just uh, quite astonishing i mean there's a there's something called a battler eagle which is an incredibly pretty small eagle a sort of reddy gold and black which flies apparently without actually um uh, uh flapping its wings at all it just <laughs> glides at incredible speed across the sky uh and uh, well that's just uh, only one of 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 many marvels but um uh, i presume you can see similar things in zambia 
Uh, yeah, well, you you can do. Um, and the one reason that uh, Zambia has actually prospered in terms of its wildlife is that an awful lot of people have been put off going to uh, uh, going to places in. Um, in Zimbabwe, partly because of the appalling uh, regime and the human rights issues there. And while um, it's, Zambia most certainly isn't uh, any kind of great uh, uh, great exemplar of human rights, um, well, it's, it is still uh, big and intriguing. And the great thing about uh, uh, Zambia is the shape of the country, which I think is part of our our heptathlon. Um, it, it's basically it's a huge kind of figure of eight with a very narrow waist um, uh, that that lies just to the east of uh, of Lusaka, and it is, to all intents and purposes, uh, to. Um, uh, two complete countries. Um, and my goodness, if you count the number of places you're bordered with, so Democratic Congo, Tanzania, Malawi, Mozambique, Zimbabwe and Botswana, as well as Namibia and Angola. And to save you looking it up, um, Zimbabwe has only Botswana, Zambia, Mozambique and South Africa. Um, uh, oh, but can I just interrupt there and say that Zimbabwe also has a very interesting and I'd say more appropriate shape. If you look at it uh, carefully uh, it looks like the head of an elephant um, with a very <laughs> short trunk um, and uh, that is of course just what you go there to see although there are other things I mean I would suggest that uh, these two countries by the way we should say were once north and south Rhodesia uh, respectively uh, Zambia being north northern Rhodesia uh, north northern Rhodesia wasn't it and uh, uh, and and uh, Zimbabwe southern Rhodesia and of course they uh, speak English amongst many other languages I mean uh, I know for a fact that Zimbabwe has at least uh, 16 other languages um, that is that are spoken there although uh, the main ones are Shona and Endebele but there is a click language in the south which is Oza which I can <laughs> say that is the only word ah. I can say in Oza um, <laughs> but it's good isn't it I've spent ages <laughs> practicing that <laughs> <laughs> well, can I can I get a few more categories here? So my my highest peak is uh, Nametawa at uh, two thousand three hundred and thirty six meters. Um, here in Zambia, what about yours? Ah, well, actually, in the eastern highlands of uh, Zimbabwe, which are uh, very lovely, although they were quite dangerous uh, when I was there because there were still lots of unexploded landmines um, from the. Uh, uh, the uh, wars which had uh, had uh, bedeviled that uh, uh, country or that part of the world um, in in previous years, um, that can boast Mount Nyangani at uh, two thousand five hundred and ninety three. Oh. So I think I've got a narrow um, narrow victory there, and I'm going to claim another one actually, which is um, the Victoria Falls, which is of course ah, uh, yes. the great wonder which people go to see from both countries because it is divided between the two, but not quite divided. More of it is on the yes. <laughs> Zimbabwean side. And having cycled over the border uh, once to Livingston um, in uh, uh, Zambia, if I remember rightly, I presume you can quite clearly um, see that the uh, Victoria Falls 
from the Zimbabwean side are generally wetter and certainly more spectacular than they are uh, as seen from your side. I, I have to concede that just as the Canadian side of the uh, Niagara Falls, ladies and gentlemen, is more impressive than the US side. But I've got a couple of quick events which I think might win it for me. Um, here, here's one, uh, Twin Towns of the Capital City. And again, I've done the research so you don't have to, Mick. Okay, um, you in Harare, you are twinned with Nottingham and Cincinnati. Uh, Lusaka, my capital, is twinned with Beirut and Los Angeles. And I think you can oh. judge a country or a city by its its twins. Well, I think you're doing a disservice to Nottingham there. But uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, well, uh, finally, airlines. Um, now, African airlines are very sadly um, more failures than not. And Air Zimbabwe is is is, is a perfect example of that. You used to have a big inter- international route network. You used to fly into Gatwick um, pretty much daily. Not anymore after the um, horrible economic uh, downturn there. But just this week, Zambia Airways is going to get going uh, on the 30th of September, they say. And unlike all previous attempts at having a national airline in Zambia, this one is backed by Ethiopian Airlines, the absolute best airline in the whole of Africa. And therefore, I give it a pretty good chance of success. And if I'm not mistaken, I think I have narrowly won the gold. No, because I'm going to just bring in the fantastic ruined city of Great Zimbabwe, which is, um, I think it's fair to say, one of the few really impressive ruins of sub-Saharan Africa. A fantastic complex of uh, uh, granite towers and walls and squares and things, which uh, sort of remind you a bit, if you've been to Latin America a lot, of, of, of some of the Mayan ruins, although possibly not quite as well restored. But that is uh, that dates back uh, uh, to the 13th, 14th century, I think, and is, uh, I don't think there's anything like that in uh, Zambia. Uh, well, I, I, uh, there are, of course, deep cultural riches in in Zambia, but they tend to be more kind of human, more more more, more intangible than that. But I, I think I'm going to have to hand it to you again. So you've won with Slovenia, you've won the, with Zimbabwe, but we are very happy to uh, set up other Olympic tussles between great countries. So do let us know. You can tweet us at you should have BT or leave a message for us at anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there. Um, we will be back next week with more. For now, from me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb, and uh, the seagulls and the motorcyclists of Thurso. Um, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.